from the bowels of the Horror Press estate, and welcome to a new episode of the Horror Press Podcast, a podcast brought to you by HorrorPress.com. My name is James Michael, and I'm the curator of all things Horror Press. As always, this show aims to bring you the latest horror news you may have missed or overlooked, a place to quickly cover the happenings of the horror world, whether that's studio announcements, movie releases, or box office numbers, as well as some light genre discussion. Today I'm joined by Steve from Voices from the Mausoleum. Hey Steve, how are you doing? Hi James, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Long time no see. Long, well, not that long, right? You were <laughs> well, just we did, on... We, we did your podcast, and before that it was uh, the film festival. Yeah, yeah. So but I feel like it's been a while, I don't know, with Halloween and everything. Yeah. Time right. has just flown. So what have you been up to? Have you seen anything interesting lately? Um, well, after Brooklyn, I haven't really had a chance to get to the theaters too much, just like with my son and I was telling you like once it gets like late at night I'm just like I'm done I just want to <laughs> I need those day and date releases more and more now but um well, it doesn't help like at three o'clock it starts getting dark already oof nope nope not a fan of that but um I mean I've been you know I uh, thank god for like Shutter and stuff like that right what did I see recently oh when evil lurks I oh my really god. really did you like that it one. it's so good um I <laughs> I gasped to myself like several times throughout that movie. I don't know what my, what my husband must have thought I was watching, but <laughs> like the, the scene dog with the scene axe. The, well, the axe. Yes, I was thinking about the dog. <laughs> the dog scene gave me so much stress, so much stress because <laughs> I knew it was coming. But I was yeah. like, they're not gonna do that. It's a kid, and I was like, they're never gonna do that. They're, she's just petting the dog. They're playing on her suspense, and then you get it. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I think maybe part of it being a foreign film, I feel like, you know, a lot in the U.S., right, I think a lot of movies play it safe, right? So, it's you know, it's okay. To, it's a movie. You can kill the kid. You know, it makes me think of the whole um, Terrifier 3 thing. People were sort of feeling iffy because art might kill a kid. Yeah, I'm, I'm very surprised because I saw a lot of people that were freaking out over it saying, like, if you're okay with this, then block me. And I'm just like... What do you want? It's art. Like, should children be immune? Like, he's art. Let him murder the child on Christmas Eve. It's a movie, people. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's like, wor- I mean, there's the worse things in like actual, like, like not actual art. Movie movies are art, but um, you know, like paintings can be art. Or you know, if, over the years have been just as gruesome, if not worse, right? Like, I don't know. It's I don't know. If you don't like it, you can close your eyes. Skip that part, you know? I feel like I would like to do an episode one day of just talking about movies where the child dies. <laughs> I think there's so many. I mean, <laughs> the one that probably hurt me the most, I'm thinking like The Mist. I mean, yeah, that movie, I think, if you didn't get hurt from that movie, even like me, who is a hardened like person that is okay with child death, I was punched in the gut from that movie. Mm-hmm. Like, even in When Evil Lurks, when the kid gets attacked by the dog, like, it punched me in the gut. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, like, horror, they have not shied away from killing kids. Now, I know art gets very, um, he is self-indulgent, right? Yeah, with, very with, creative. Definitely with the killing. So, I think maybe people were like, you know, the way art is going to kill a kid, it's a lot. But that that those are the Terrifier movies. That's just what they do, you know? I don't think, though, like, we'll... 
we'll probably get a child death in that, but I doubt we're going to get, like, the bedroom scene in Terrifier 2 right. with a child. I doubt it. No. I, I would be very surprised and maybe pleased if we get that, but we won't. No. No, it's a lot. I mean, I don't know a lot of, I mean, sure, stage parents could be a lot. I don't know what stage parent would want their kid in that. <laughs> well, look at Dr. Know. Sleep. That was a pretty brutal child death. Because it was emotional, right? It was it was yeah. in the acting, right? It wasn't like Jacob Tremblay wasn't getting, like, ripped apart. You know, it was more, it, it was just, like, emotionally visceral, right? That movie was really good, very surprising. I went into it not knowing anything about it. And I was very glad because it surprised me that it was about demons. What you say, Terrifier? Um, when Evil Lurks. Oh, When Evil Lurks. I'm like, wait. <laughs> can, can you tell I'm tired? I'm like, I'm losing <laughs> track. Wait, which movie we're talking about? <laughs> yeah, no, I loved it. I thought it was a really cool take on like possession movies in general and almost had a little bit of like, um, had some like pandemic metaphors to it too, I think. Yeah, like how irresponsible your fellow man can be. Like, mm hmm selfish absolutely people now, suck <laughs> people can suck that's for sure <laughs> um but other than what evil lurks um oh, i saw night of the hunted that was also on shutter i like that one i haven't seen that what is that about uh it's about a woman who is having an affair um and she ends up at a gas station with this guy and she pretty much gets held up in the gas station by a sniper um and it's like it's it's sort of on those like gas station horror movies but it's like a cat and mouse kind of movie between her and the shooter uh it gets a little preachy with its message but i i mean i don't mind it because i thought it was like really suspenseful um it was pretty good have you ever seen downrange downrange no I'm pretty sure it's still on Shutter, but that is also a sniper movie, and it is so suspenseful, and it's so good. Definitely mm-hmm. check it out. Like, these kids are stranded on a highway, and there is a sniper perched up somewhere, like, out in the trees. And oh, okay. they literally have nowhere to go, and they're just, like, barricaded behind their car. It's mm-hmm. really good. All right. Down, down what? Downrange. Downrange, right? That's like a that's a gun re- reference, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. Yeah, I didn't realize how much of a subgenre this was. Sort of the like a snipery kind of thriller. Yeah, and honestly, you mentioned gas station, and I never really thought of that as kind of like a horror type subgenre either. But gas stations are scary. Yeah. Like, yeah. they kind of are. Especially, like, in I the middle really... of the night, and they're kind of abandoned. Maybe there's one attendant working. You know, and it dirty. is a little creepy. Yeah, I think it's kind of like a very underrated horror setting, if you think about it. How many horror movies include a gas station in some shape or form? Mm-hmm. And terrible gas things station, happen. I would say, like, 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 a rest stop. Like, I'm thinking, like, like Halloween H2O, or, like, 2018, right? I had a rest stop scene. Yeah, Texas had one too, for sure. Texas does, yes. Um, it works. I think it's just that, you know, it just plays on like isolation horror. Thanksgiving hit theaters this past weekend and earned an estimated 10.2 million domestically and 2.4 million internationally, bringing it to the number four spot after Hunger Games, 
Trolls Band Together, and The Marvels. Rounding out the top five, in fifth place was Five Nights at Freddy's. I mean, that's pretty crazy considering where this movie came from as a tiny little trailer a hundred years ago. Right, right. A fake trailer for a fake movie. I mean, considering, like, Hunger Games is in the mix and all that, like, I mean, good for them. Yeah, absolutely. Just, you know, you know these little horror films that can. Um, I always just love seeing stories like that. You know, I mean, speaking of, like, Terrifier, right? Um, what else? I mean, what other surprises were kind of like that? The big one that comes to mind is, yeah, Terrifier, because that was only going to get a one-day release, and then it just tsunamied everything last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that was probably even a bigger success because Thanksgiving, at least, like the trailer for that was being shown. Like it had a little more backing to it. Uh, but still, you know, still impressive. Like you said, I mean, Hunger Games is a big franchise. Trolls for the kids, that's a, that's a big franchise. The Marvels, well, that one sort of a little DOA with that one, even though I enjoyed well, it. Five Nights at Freddy's 2, considering that it was day one on streaming. Yeah. And it's the amount of money it's made and it's still in the top five is very impressive. Yeah, they're killing it. Um, I mean, I, I mean, there you go. I mean, uh, we'll be good. Did they announce a sequel for it yet? Mm-hmm. Or as much as people maybe? hate on Blumhouse, like people still flock to see the movie. Well, yeah, I mean, also PG-13 horror just does good. It does well, for sure. Right. I mean, the kiddos can go without the parents. You it's know, a good it's... Friday night mall movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's good. I mean, I, you know, I was very middle ground with it. You know, did you see it? No. No, you didn't watch it? <laughs> we, were, we reviewed it, but I haven't seen it. And honestly, like I had the opportunity, I had a very long flight to California that I could have watched it on and I didn't. And it's not for me. So I I'm, not, yeah. I'm not going to poo poo on it, but I'm not going to subject myself to it either. No, I just, yeah, no, I hear that. I wanted a little bit more from it, just in one way or the other. I, I, I actually, we might have talked about it. Now I'm thinking we might have texted about it. But, um, like, I feel like you could have either went two routes, right? You either make it really suspenseful, which they didn't succeed at, right? Well, you can't do that. Go campy like Megan and just have fun. They didn't do that either. So I just feel like it was very, like, play it safe sort of movie. And that, that was a little bit of a bummer. Because you can make a scary PG-13 movie. I mean, I think the ring is still intense to this day. Like, it can be done. The weird thing to me is that I heard for a game that, like, built itself on jump scares, it didn't really have many jump scares. And for Blumhouse, who is, like, king of the jump scares, the cheap jump scares, like, why? I'm surprised. Yeah, really, yeah. I, I just, I don't get it. I mean, the animatronics look great. I mean, right, it didn't, like, the Jim Henson company help with them? Did they? I think so. I, mean, I assumed it was just going to be all CGI. Yeah, no, I think the Jim Henson company worked on the animatronics. It was, I mean, it looked good. I'll you definitely know. see it eventually. Eventually. It's like a half a drink or two or three kind of movie. <laughs> at like the big news of the night which everyone who has a twitter account or even an online presence has to know 
that Melissa Barrera is reportedly no longer attached to Scream 7, according to Variety magazine. And also, Jenna Ortega is apparently out, but she left apparently because of scheduling conflicts with Wednesday. So, without the Carpenter sisters, what are we left with for Scream going forward? And my knee-jerk reaction is we waited 10 years between Scream 4 and 5. Can we wait long enough for all the turbulence to pass and just start fresh again? I think so. I think with all this and not with, you know, without getting too much into sort of all the who said this, who said that sort of stuff, I think... You know, if all the bridges are sort of burned at this point now with everyone sort of dropping and I can't see them just picking up with another Sydney story right now. I mean, since they work so hard at sort of passing the torch in five, letting her have a happy ending, you know, that reference in six. I say, get you know, give it some room to breathe. I mean, another company could pick it up and I can't see Spyglass going forward with it. No, I think the I think that it's tarnished at this point, just based on everything I'm hearing. But technically, like the Carpenter sisters got their happy ending. They did. I mean, that's sort of the beauty with Scream films is they never have cliffhangers. So you really can just stop the story after any entry, you know. And I think you know, I think this the ending to six is just fine. You know, Sam drops the mask. She shakes her father's shadow moves on she gives her sister her freedom and they have their happy ending it's pretty cleanly you know wrapped up right so if it's a duology right i mean i think we get we get so harped on this idea that there has to be a trilogy so i think this hurts for a lot of folks because like we knew scream 7 was going to be planned we like have it in our mind i mean trilogies right the original trilogy four is the outlier so we just assumed five six seven would be its own trilogy but i there's nothing wrong with a one and a two Right? I mean, I, I don't think Scream 3 was planned when 2 came out. I'm good with the way things are. I'm, of course, sad with how things turned out. But leave Sydney alone. The Carpenters are fine. Ghostface will eventually return, no matter what. Well, that's it, too, right? You're right. I mean, anyone could pick up the mask. That's why it's so scary, right? I mean, look at Jason. Jason's been around for 100 years. Michael Myers has been around for 100 years. Eventually, they always come back, maybe in a different shape or form, but we'll see Ghostface again. I just don't think... I don't think now is the time after all this shit that went went on. No, we had a good, solid two movies. I'm a big Sam Carpenter, yeah, Sam Carpenter fan. I love her story. I love her and Tara. I think Six gave them a good ending. You get kind of a perfect one-two punch story about toxic fandom and internet culture and that's sort of the you know if the original trilogy ended talking about hollywood those those two movies ended up talking about culture you know pop culture in general i think yeah i think the themes are there the stories are there i'm all right leaving at that i mean how how fitting is it that it's about toxic fandom and i think spyglass is finding out just how toxic just based off of the reaction on twitter like how insane it is Talk about it. I mean, it's fitting. I mean, the franchise is all about being meta. I mean, how meta can you get? I mean, if if the next company that picks up Scream and, and runs with it doesn't reference some of the stuff in some way, shape, or form, I would be, like, shocked. I would be cool with basically anyone picking up Scream in the future other than I don't want A24 to touch it. 
I love A24. I do I, too, but I don't want them for Scream. I don't want them for Scream. They're branching out, though. I don't think their movies are as siloed as they used to be, right? Like, I mean, look at Talk to Me. Look at Bodies. Look at... I'm trying to think of another movie. But I think they're branching in terms of the feel. I mean, who they were, like, in a bidding war with Miramax over, what, Halloween? Mm-hmm. I can see that happening very much for Scream at some point. Yeah. Well, if not A24, you said anyone else, you think? Or did you have sort of company in mind? Give, let Full Moon have Scream. That's what I want. Full Moon. (laughs) (laughs) Let Full Moon have the rights to the ghost face mask. (laughs) Let them do it. Short change. (laughs) (laughs) No shades of Full Moon. I just... (laughs) I love Full Moon. So, have you seen the bad CGI Gator movie yet? No. We just reviewed it, and it is so bad. Is it called Bad CGI Gator, right? It's called Bad CGI Gator. It is horrible, but in the best ways. Okay. It's fun bad. Like, they didn't even try with the CGI Gator. That's fine. Yeah. The the Gator floats. (laughs) Oh. So good. We go we just her. reviewed it. It's it. I think it came out. It came out like maybe like a week ago. Definitely okay. check it out. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. I mean. I love stuff like that. I went to the Long Island premiere of Birdemic Two back in the day. Oh boy, that was fun. The direct. The director was there. Win or whatever it is. I think it's something. Win. Um. The cast was there. Oh man, it was. It was something. <laughs> I I'm a very much a like a cheerleader for Full Moon. I love them, so give it yeah. to them. I wanna I wanna see what they can do with Scream. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'd I'd watch it. Of course you would, because it would be awesome. <laughs> right, you so. know, I could see them even going back to the T V route again. Um possibly. I think Scream is perfectly built for a TV series. Yeah, I enjoyed the first season of the MTV show. I I only watched I think the first ten minutes. Um, up to when she's calling Siri and Siri calls Pottery Barn, and that was it. Nah, <laughs> that was as far as I got. I mean, I think maybe don't air it on MTV. I couldn't get past the mask. Oh, the Brandon James mask. Yeah, like you gotta have the proper like peanut face. Yeah. Ghost face mask. You gotta have that. No, I say do it for a streaming service, not Paramount Plus. Um, they don't deserve it anymore. No, no. I um, I you know Netflix. Well, uh, you know Full Moon has a streaming service, right? They, they do. Is. Full Moon features. We're not sponsored, but no, check no, them out. But you're, you're just pushing for that Full Moon uh, <laughs> control of stream. I listen. I've been on a Full Moon kick since I'm like four years old. Have you ever watched Subspecies? Uh, no, no, and I'm I'm making that noise because like, that's like my just strained thinking noise. <laughs> no judgment to subspecies, but subspecies I heard I, I heard is, it's fun. It's very fun. It's terrible in a fun way. They just came out with a sequel like a year ago after like a hundred years of it not being out. No. So if you want to do like a binge session of all the subspecies, it it culminates in like a recent COVID movie like a year ago. Interesting. Okay. 
I'll do maybe I'll do a little special for it for the channel then. And you can watch it on fullmoon.com. Fullmoon.com. <laughs> is, is it a subscription service? They do have a subscription service. Um, I am not subscribed, but I think it's also it may be also on Tubi. Oh, you, I think you're right. I actually I was I was just watching because um, we have a news story coming up. Um, uh, people under the stairs. I just, that was on Tubi, and I saw a subspecies on the recommended. You're right. You know, some of these new writers that we hire at Horror Press, they have never seen People Under the Stairs. I and I always take thought, it as a personal slight. Well, I saw it years ago. And I'm like, since the, the news article, that, or the, the news story that we're going to cover um, came out, I'm like, let me rewatch it. So I actually rewatched it this morning um, really? while my son was napping. So just good. to sort of like have it fresh in my mind so good isn't it great it holds up i swear it does it holds up i mean i think there's there there are some camp elements that i enjoy it, it gets a little camp i think um but in a fun way it holds up i think i mean certainly the themes the walking dead the ones who live release a teaser and it's set for february 25th so I know that you're a Walking Dead fan, because when yes. I was on your show, you were like, binge it, do it. It's much better if you can watch it all in one sitting. So I want to hear your take, because I honestly, I didn't finish the show. I mm -hmm. got up to the Herschel death. Um, but I could have sworn I remember back in the day when Rick left, AMC was planning on giving him like a proper movie. Yeah, they were going to do movies. Um that you know, I, I don't know if the pandemic had affected plans for that, um, and then I think just through evolution of whatever was going on behind the scenes, it became this miniseries now. So, as a Walking Dead fan, is this something you want? Like, do you want a Rick and Michonne like focused show? Oh yeah, I mean, the, there's just so many loose ends there that we just never got uh, because he was taken, you know, and we never really sort of got the follow up to that. Um, especially since any movie plans fell through. Uh, this is exciting. Uh, we had hints at sort of Michonne going off. Like when Michonne left, it was about her. So we sort of got the setup for this in the main show. We just never got the resolution. So now we're finally getting the resolution to that storyline. So this teaser got you excited. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's a short little 30 seconds. It just sort of showed some clips from Michonne leaving, and then some military stuff with the group that took Rick. Um, so they didn't really give too much of a plot away in the teaser, which I'm fine with. I know I want to be surprised. Are they, like, against each other? No, she's going to find them. Oh. They're in love. They're in love? <laughs> They're together, yeah. yeah. See, this is how out of the loop I am. They have a son. Like I remember she was just this badass with samurai swords, and she had, like, zombies on leashes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Does she ever yeah. get the zombies back? No, they die. But, Again. like, she doesn't make more? They never explain? No, no, she never uses that. That was her, like, tactic to survive on her own. But, like, when she joins, like, Rick's group, she doesn't need that sort of tactic to survive. So but, she didn't uh, have to, like, smear the, the zombie blood on her like everyone else did? No, I mean, they do that eventually. I mean, they do that. That's sort of like a common thing that they do from time to time when they need to get through like a crowd without fighting, right? Um, 
but they do some like crazy stuff they you know they what's interesting and this is a little do you are you familiar with the whisperers like that arc towards the end yeah that, they were scary oh they're great um but they even use tactics from the whisperers it's at one point they start to use like like zombie heads gross yeah yeah which is kind of cool because they they're, they're sort of learning tactics from their enemies and that was sort of a cool thing that the group incorporated um in the later seasons but i've really been enjoying the spinoffs in general uh dead city daryl dixon um like since the end of the main show like these have been really short concise just tight stories um i think you you were the one that told me daryl is the one that took like a carnival cruise to paris or something (laughs) yes yes um he well yeah so he was he sort of got kidnapped was put on this ship and ended up in, 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 in France. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, no, he said he's so good. He's so good. I mean, rocking the crossbow, although surprisingly did not have his crossbow in the, in the spinoff. I was Did he bring the motorcycle on the cruise ship? No, no, he was kidnapped. He didn't bring his motorcycle. Oh, they were like, here's your motorcycle. So you can, you know, I don't <laughs> he know, just finds on. one in Paris. Just <laughs> I think, does he find one? He does find one actually. He does. But it's well, so they get to some cool stuff. Like there's like zombie experimentation going on. Like they start to introduce themes that I wish they had explored in the original series. But they're well, really they had more than enough time to explore them. Like how many seasons did that show last for? Eleven. Eleven. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Well, when the crown comes back for part two, which is mid December, I'm going to resub to Netflix. Mm. And in that time, I may just binge all 11 seasons. You should. You should. I tell you, it's, you know, because it is a slow burn show, it's very character driven, which I, I don't mind. But it, I think on a, when you like spread these stories out on a week to week basis, it can be sort of like there's, you lack that momentum. But when you binge it, it's sort of, you, you, you you miss that waiting in between. And so you're sort of just moving through. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure I'll enjoy it because every, like fans of that show are pretty hardcore. I was just suffering because you get attached to these characters, they get taken away and then you got to wait. And that show was one of the few that would do like half a season and then they would go on break mm-hmm. and then they do the second half. And it was like 24 episodes seasons and it was just too much i couldn't do it yeah no it's it is a lot it is a lot um it was always like a fall season winter break and then like winter early spring it would come back but i remember that first season was so good oh yeah but that was also again only six episodes so that's why like i'm going back to the spinoffs like they're all like six-ish episodes so they all feel like that you're just getting like a very quick story um there's no lag. You're just kind of getting to the point. Did it start to lose its impact once Greg Nicotero left? When did he leave? It had to be somewhat early on. Um, I mean, I remember, I remember those early seasons. There was right the big dispute over like budget. Like when they went from like season one to two and three, it was like they didn't want to spend as much on the show, um, and people were leaving. I can't remember when Greg left, but um, I want to say it was somewhere between one and three for sure. 
I I mean, because I will say, like, I stopped watching a couple of times where I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm getting a little burnt out. Like, I think around season four to five, five, around season five, I stopped, picked it up again, and then started again maybe around season seven, eight, sort of after Negan came in, um, stopped again, and then I didn't, and then I caught up to the season 11 finale, or like that last chunk of season 11 episodes because that was split into three parts um but yeah yeah it's just sort of so i for, i kind of forget the different phases of what was going on behind the scenes i mean i'm a fan of rick so i would definitely check it out just for rick and i also am a huge fan of michonne so i would definitely watch it for her too so yeah i, don't I mean know, maybe this is like a show that would be good for me i mean i think i mean you're getting back to the core of what of the show right rick is being the main character right Granted, it's an ensemble, right? It became an ensemble. But, I mean, Rick was sort of our POV character. Uh, so, I mean, I think this is sort of a great capstone for that. And I don't know what they plan on doing. So I think Dead City's coming back for season two. I think Daryl's going to get it. I think, I think this show is just going to be a miniseries. I think this is just it. Unless then they bring Rick and Michonne back and they sort of do something else with it but that's the thing it's just sort of you have all these characters existing in this world you can kind of pick them up and use them whenever you need to which is kind of cool yeah so i i'm i'm optimistic we'll see how i feel after binging 11 seasons (laughs) good luck (laughs) i'll be here to support you i'll cheer you on i'm sure i'll just be randomly texting you like random emojis as things are happening And there's a, it has its up and downs, that's for sure. Um, you know, it's not a perfect show through and through. I mean, it has, you know, I, I, I can admit its faults. <laughs> so we kind of touched on this earlier, but a remake is in the works for Wes Craven's The People in the Stairs with Jordan Peele set to produce. I have very mixed feelings about this only because I love the original movie. Mm-hmm. I think Jordan Peele is very well equipped to take on this project. But I think it's important that he's just producing it. He's not writing it. He's not mm-hmm. directing it, which gives me a little pause. But I think he could do it justice. I just don't know, like, why. Maybe it's just because kids these days are just not exposed to it since it's an old movie. Mm-hmm. But it's so unnecessary. What do you think? I don't have the connection to it that you do, probably. So I think a remake of this is certainly. Uh, I think you know. I think there's some movies you just don't need to like touch, like like Jaws. Like why would you remake Jaws, right? Like there's just some movies that I think are perfect. I think People Under the Stairs can use another adaptation. Um, I think Wes Craven. You know, he touched on a lot of important themes, uh, you know, especially you talk about like racial inequity um, and sort of a lot, a lot of just inequality. And I, and Wes Craven, I think his heart's in the right place, but I love the idea of Monkey Paw uh, taking on this project just because of their track record. Um, and you can get, you know, a person of color directing and writing it. Um, you know, I look at, think of like Nia DaCosta doing Candyman was phenomenal. Um you know, not that Wes Craven did, did wrong by any means. I just think, you know, I think it's an important story and you could probably update it for, because a lot's happened since 1991. 
Very true. And maybe, maybe they'll replace the guy in the latex suit with <laughs> something else. What yeah. was the point of that? What? The bondage I don't suit. understand that. Yeah, it was giving me a little rubber man, right? A little, little, like, I. Yeah, I don't know. It was because <laughs> I literally just watched it this morning. So it was like, that was like the one that sort of gave me pause. I'm like, these, the, the, the husband and wife, the landlords. I'm like, these are <laughs> ridiculous characters. Will we get another roach? Another roach? I mean, I think... I'd just be very curious. Like, maybe they do something different with the people under the stairs, right? Like, I could see them co- sort of mixing up the story a little bit. Maybe on how they get there. And maybe how they're presented, right? Um, just very interesting that there were no people of color under the stairs right very true you know i need to rewatch this movie now yeah i think just for a film that it really is saying something about like like housing inequality and a lot of that right so it's just interesting like i think you could be a little even more so inclusive at this point i think you could really like i feel like because wes craven was i mean again who knows what was going on behind the scenes and what pressures studios put on but like, you know, but like I said, Wes Craven's heart is always in the right place. I think of that movie that he did, um, Music of the Heart, right, about the teacher teaching music. It's just one of those sort of like white teacher goes into like a inner city school, teaches a bunch of kids music. And it's like sort of one of those like uplifting stories, you know, a little cliche for its time. I think there's a lot to be said. And I think you can really highlight how much or how little has changed in these past few decades. Very true. But I'd be excited. I mean, give me anything Monkey Paw does. Although I would say I have, I was not as much of a fan as of um, Nope as a lot of folks were. Nope had a lot of promise, and I liked it for the spectacle that it was. But the moment we found out the spaceship was the alien, it lost a lot of impact for me. Like yeah. the mo- when they were in that barn mm-hmm. with the fake aliens. I was ready to shit my pants. That was the scariest scene, and it ended up not being real. And then, <laughs> I yeah, was bummed and, about and, that. But, I mean, we got, what's his name? Jean Jacket, which is nice. Like, I like Jean Jacket the alien. Like, cool, but it was uh, a good spectacle of a movie. Yeah, I, I would say Us was my favorite, is my favorite monkey paw film thus far. Yeah, Us is really well made. I enjoyed Us. It was a great movie, for sure. Mm-hmm. Nope. Nope was still good. No, it's not a bad movie. Just yeah, you know, I I think I think you know when you have such bangers back to back, I think you really yeah the expectations. I mean that's the thing is once you set those expectations too high, you sort of just set your you know you set yourself up for for failure, and that's not the movie's fault. I think it's just like some mental filtering. I'm gonna use some therapy uh, phrases. You know we have our mental filters on, right? Our little cognitive distortions come in, and we you know, have these rigid expectations. And I think it just, you know, dampens our movie-going experience, which is so unfortunate because it's not, it's not fair. That's not fair to the movie. Because I really went into that expecting... I probably... It was probably unfair with expectations after Us and Get Out. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no... It would have to be, like, an A++++ movie yeah, to meet the expectations that I went into that theater with. And I love the candy and, and candy man, which I know isn't um, Jordan Peele, but uh, it was still monkey, monkey. It was still monkey paw, right? Candy man was awesome. 
Oh, the Nia DaCosta killed it. Oh, my God. I kind of hope she does this one. Uh, you know what? That would change my mind if she got attached as the director for this movie. She totally should. So the next bit of news, It's a Wonderful Knife is heading to Shudder on December 1st. I haven't seen it in theaters, but knowing that it's coming to Shudder in its proper month, mm-hmm. because I'm not seeing a Christmas movie in November, <laughs> I'm definitely going to give it a watch. I'm very excited for it. And, you know, surprisingly, it did pretty well at the box office, considering it came out before Eli Roth's Thanksgiving and all that. Like, it still made a decent amount, 600000 and it only came out in 932 theaters. So I'm sure it's going to have a pretty promising life on Shudder. Yeah. I was trying hard to see it, too. Like I said, like, I didn't get a chance to see a lot of movies this month in theaters. But, like, the problem with this one was I would go on the AMC app, and it was getting the weirdest showtimes. It was getting, like, like 3 o'clock in the afternoon on, a, like, a Tuesday. And I'm like, well, I gotta work. I mean, you know... <laughs> That's my problem, too, is that, you know, we get a lot of these advanced screeners. They're in the city, and the city isn't far from me, but getting to the city on, like, a Tuesday, Wednesday, or a Thursday by 7 is hard with traffic. Like, that is is a rough time to get out there. If there were no traffic, it it would be easy, but, you know, make me come out on a Wednesday for a 7 o'clock showing or a 6 o'clock showing? Impossible. Can't Mm -hmm. do it. And the screenings were kind of scarce for this movie. So it was it was kind of hard to see. Yeah, it was a shame. But I'm going to see it probably that night it comes out. Just to kick off the season. I actually probably even be able to get my husband. My husband's not a big horror movie guy. Um, but it's because it's got the little, you know, it's got that comedy tinge to it. I can probably convince him. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think the killer looks really cool. I love that. that that white mask is really crisp, especially when you need to talk about like sn- like the snow and then I, I'm thinking all the all the blood red shots, you know, on the snow. It's gonna be gorgeous. So I don't know about you, but James Cameron's Abyss is coming back out for a one night only theatrical release, December sixth, and it's getting a four K restoration. I haven't seen this movie, but I'm definitely going to go see that in theaters. I'm very excited for it. Um, I actually got to see the thing in theaters maybe like a year or two ago in September for one of its anniversaries. And Mm -hmm. I had never seen the thing until I saw it in theaters. And I'm so thankful that I got to see it in theaters before I had to see it on VHS or DVD or whatever. I loved it. It was a great experience. So I'm looking forward to seeing The Abyss. Have you seen it? I have not, unfortunately. Um, I know know people do love it. It has its fans. I I will probably try to see it that night um, just because it, it would be a new experience, right? So it's sort of like getting a chance to time travel a little bit. Yeah, it's it's... Usually it's like a fathom event type thing when they do it. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're doing it for this, um, but I'm so gonna check it out. I'm very much looking forward to it, and that's December sixth. So are you ready to get murdered at trivia? 
Oh my god, this is gonna be so bad. <laughs> These questions are rough. Yeah. I I watered them down a little, but um Brendan Brendan is a little sniper. And um, I'm very thankful that he helped out with this. But um, some of these are, are rough. I'm going to be embarrassed as a horror fan. I know it. No, don't. No one, honestly, <laughs> I've had a few guests and none of them ever get all of them right. Okay. And I'm lucky if I get one. one. <laughs> it's all right, feel a little bit better. So you've agreed to do trivia here tonight. Mm. And I just wanted to let you know. I didn't come up with these questions, and they're hardcore. So, just putting a disclaimer out there for you. I swear, I'm a real horror fan. <laughs> don't judge me. You will me. lose all all of your horror cred if you don't get a ten out of ten <laughs> of this. So, no pressure. Okay. No pressure. The first one is hard. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, all right. The just first one is hard. Right I don't. Gate. If if you get this, if you get this, all the cred to you. Okay. I, I wouldn't get this, so don't feel bad. Question one. During the filming of Wake and Fright 1971, actor Chips Rafferty refused to drink non-alcoholic beer during filming, telling director Ted Kochef, you focus on the directing, I'll focus on the drinking. The average amount of beer consumed by Rafferty daily was how many pints? This is... Um... This is multiple choice. <laughs> Just throw out a number. Three. Okay. Thirty pints. Jesus. Per day. On average. You know what the sad thing is? I was trying in my head to visualize a pint. <laughs> I honestly don't even know what a, how much a pint. It's like a glass? A pint glass. It's like a big beer glass, right? Okay. Well... During the filming, he was drinking 30 pints daily. Oh. I would have never got that. I don't even know Wake and Fray. I've never seen it. 1971. That's a lot. Question two. Two movies by the same team of Australian filmmakers have an iconic puppet that share the same name in Saw and Dead Silence. What is the puppet's name? Is it Billy? Like me second guess not one question. I'm like, I know it's Billy, but I'm like, see, I told you the first question was the hardest. I'm like gaslighting myself. I'm like, is it Billy? No, it's not Billy. <laughs> well, no pressure. Just all of your horror cred is on the line. <laughs> question three: What year was Dead Silence turned into a haunt at Universal's Halloween Horror Nights? Oh gosh, the movie came out in two thousand and what four five. 2009. The correct answer was 2007. Oh, two years. That cred is just slipping through your fingers. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, give me one. My, I know Billy. <laughs> you knew Billy. It gets better. Don't worry. Don't worry. Actually, this one's kind of rough. On a budget of 300000 how much did John Carpenter's Halloween gross in the U.S.? Is this considering the original release or like all of it? The original. The original release. John Carpenter's Halloween. So it only it the budget was three hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. How much did it gross in the US? 
trying to scale it, right? Because they didn't make that much back then. Um, 70? No. I wouldn't have gotten this one right either. My credit is slipping too. 47 million. Okay. That was, what, 30 million off? (laughs) I would never get that. (laughs) Question five. What fruit was used as folly for the stabbing sound effect in John Carpenter's Halloween? Oh, shoot. Watermelon? You got it right. Oh, yeah, cool. All right. I feel like, I, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> I wouldn't have known that either, so. I th- you know, it was one of those ones that was probably like, I heard it, and I had, I just went through my mind palace. Like, I hear watermelon, I'm like, yeah, I hear it. I, I definitely can see it. Number six. Out of all the Nightmare on Elm Street films, only one has a male lead. Which film is it? Two. Freddy's Revenge. Correct. The most unintentional gay slasher. I love that movie. Have you seen the documentary Scream Queen? Yeah. It's great. Mark Patton is awesome. I met him at uh, FlameCon. Oh, nice. In, in the city, yeah. I have. He signed a copy of Jesse's Diary for me. Wow. Number seven. We're back to the doozies. I was hoping I could distract with my Mark Patton story. <laughs> <laughs> To prevent plot leaks for Friday the 13th, Part 3, it was given a title of of a David Bowie song to throw would-be leakers off the scent. What song was Part 3 titled after? God, now I have to know David Bowie songs. Um, Life on Mars? Final answer? Sure. Crystal Japan. <laughs> I gave you my one David Bowie song that I know. <laughs> How many doors did Jack Nicholson go through during the filming of the Here's Johnny scene? Oh gosh. I'll give you a hint. It's a lot. I yeah, I was going to say like Kubrick probably was a nutty director, right? So like he probably made him go through a lot. I'm going to say 35 doors. Final answer? Uh, is it more than that? F- 57. You're really close. 62. 60. Oh. All right. Well, partial credit. That's a lot. He went through 60 doors. doors? That's like a whole forest. All right. This one's easier. Where are the infamous exorcist steps located? DC. Correct. Thank you. Thank you, James. <laughs> Who is the female lead in the infamous 1968 psychological horror movie, Rosemary's Baby? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Mia Farrow. Correct. So one last bonus question. If you get this one right, it's like 400% extra credit. Okay. <laughs> do I get, do I, do, but no, no negative Credit. No negatives. It'll be like you got 100%. Okay. Where are the first four screen movies? Where do they take place? Woodsboro. All your horror cred came back. <laughs> Thank you. So in total, you got 11 out of 11 questions correct. 
Oh, yeah. Thank you, Woodsboro. See how that works? Woodsboro. <laughs> so that wasn't that bad. Well, it, it was. I would have gotten so many of those wrong. So What, I got like three right? You got four. Four out oh. of... <laughs> no, sorry. Five out of 11. Five out of 11? All right, so a little... 50%-ish? I don't even know. What's 5 out of 11? The closest that anyone has ever gotten was, and Johnny was on my show, I think, like two episodes ago. He got 9 out of 10. We're getting to the end of our episode, and before we say our goodbyes, is there any kind of media you'd like to share with our listeners? Like, any books, albums, movies, anything you'd like? Well, I'll do a little plug for my co-host, Angel. She just published her first solo anthology book um, called All the Little Voices. I think Uh, I saw you mentioning this on Twitter. Yeah, I'm so proud of her. Um, So it's on Amazon. So there's a physical and you can also get ebook. Uh, it's called All the Little Voices. Uh, it's it's such a sweet, fun read. Um, she plays with all different subgenre. Like there's like a found footage one. It's one of her favorite subgenres. Um, so there's a found footage story, a possession story, werewolf, other creatures, witchcraft. She does a little bit of everything. Um, so you'll get you know you get a taste of all different sort of uh, horror in it. Um, she has other stories so she has curated a lot of different anthologies with other like indie horror writers but this is her first solo venture nice and what is that called again all the little voices so a little nod to voices from the mausoleum nice yeah definitely check that out yeah and then for for me i'm just i what have i been i've been watching um I'm so I'm so like sad I didn't watch it in the first run, but I've been on watching uh, Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous on Netflix. That's the animated show, right? It's the animated show, and I'm actually like really surprised at how like suspenseful it is and like emotional. Like the first season like had me crying. Like it's how really many seasons good. are there? Um, it ended with five, so there's five. Um, and now they're doing um, I guess like a spinoff sequel series called Chaos Theory. See, this is where I get salty, and I'm like, Netflix will greenlight five seasons of that, but they'll cancel The Dark Crystal. Yeah, <laughs> I know, but it's good. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Jurassic Park is something that I, I'm i interested in, but I just don't keep up on. Like, I mm. haven't seen, I don't think, any of the Jurassic Worlds at all. I mean, they're hit or, I mean, they're hit or miss in terms, like, I enjoy it just because, you know what, it's dino fun i mean nothing's just gonna beat the the original movie um but there's still a fun time this i think honestly the funniest thing is like for me it's like the original movie and like so far camp cretaceous it is that really? i'm telling you it is that good is it a dreamworks show i think so dreamworks I mean, does really good stuff like i really love Shira. i mean it's it's very diverse there are queer characters um it's an ethnically diverse uh cast uh jenna ortega's in it she um who else is in it uh jamila jamil glenn powell um it's got a good it's got a good cast the kid from the goldbergs is in it who's that he's like the little kid with glasses in the goldbergs that that 80s family sitcom hmm um, he also does the voice for Solar Opposites on Hulu. Okay, I'll definitely check it out. All right, so where can everyone find you? 
So you can find our channel on YouTube, Voices from the Mausoleum. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, or I guess it's X, at PolterGuySteve. Uh, and Angel, she has the sort of official handle of the channel um, at From Mausoleum, or Voices from Mausoleum. Um, but yeah, so we're on YouTube. We ha I think there's an Instagram, but yeah, just search us and you'll find us. <laughs> I need to have Angel on next. Yeah! You need to introduce us. Absolutely. Well, next time we have you on or we come on. Well, or if commentary. I do a subspecies video, oh, man. Please, like I'm on for that. Please do it. Okay, let's do, do it. it. There's like five of them though, or something. That's that's fine. That's totally you, fine. You're, you're gonna binge them all in one sitting. I mean, I'm all one sitting. I mean, I gotta listen. I mean, Bob I'm getting sleep. But... I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> Maybe I'll watch it tonight after we stop, you know, once we wrap up, maybe I'll throw it on. Just remember, it's full moon, number one, and it's old. So don't think it's going to be like Blade or Underworld. <laughs> don't worry, I wasn't expecting that. There's a part, the CG is horrific in it, and he like rips off his fingers and he drops them and they turn into like little creatures. <laughs> it's fun. It sounds delightful. Yeah. Radu, he's like the best. That wraps up episode 17 of our podcast. It's been a nightmare. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Don't be afraid to reach out and let us know what you think. And be sure to leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. We look forward to seeing you soon for the next episode of the Horror Press Podcast. Bye. Bye.